morning, New Hope Church. Good to see you all, and congratulations to all the graduates. It's a, it's a very special day, and, uh, and special to be here together as well and, and spend time in worship. I also want to uh, take a moment and thank Jonathan for, um, well, for doing that. I mean, we get to see that, and he just blessed us by playing the piano, but that's, that's been a lot of work represented in him being up there and, uh, and bringing that song for us. You know what I love about that, too, is it's a reminder as he was talking about fear and anxiety, and, and there's no doubt in, in his life this last year he's felt a lot of that going through the stroke and rehab. It's not about the absence of fear. And it's not like we go through a sermon series like we've been going through called Scared to Death, and we think that after going through this, we're never going to fear again, or that anxiety is never going to strike us again. It's not about that we, we don't feel it. It's about what do we do when we do, and how we keep moving forward and trusting what God has for us in spite of the fears that we feel, and in spite of the worries that we carry. We don't let it stop us. We keep going. And so great job, and thank you for being an example uh, to all of us today with that. So today we wrap up scared to death. And again, we're talking about fear. We're talking about anxiety. And, and, uh, and I'm coming up on one year here being at New Hope. And, and this sermon series, by far more than any other, has somehow connected with people. Because the number of emails I'm getting and conversations I'm having, uh, feedback that we're receiving, that these messages have had on you, it just gives insight that this is where we're at. This is the stuff we're dealing with, the anxieties and the worries and the fears. I mean, all that stuff is, is, the, is the world that we live in. And to see what Scripture has to say about that has been, a, I hope it's been an encouragement to you. I hope it has blessed you uh, tremendously. Uh, today we wrap up. It's the end of the road. And what we're doing is looking at what the Bible has to say about this topic. Uh, because the conviction is this, that we as followers of Jesus, we should look different. That our lives should look different. That while, you know, all of us as a culture and, and the communities and people that we're wrapped around and that we spend time with, while, while fear may be crippling for others and, and anxiety is something that is, strikes all of us, that it doesn't have to, to control us. That by God's enabling, we can move through it and move past it. And that God can do that kind of work. So we're looking at what scripture has to say. And the conviction is this, that with four principles, four big ideas, if we take these four principles and we apply them to our lives, that it will make a difference, that we will experience more freedom from fear and anxiety by applying these principles. So just by way of review, let's go ahead and go back real quick. On your bulletin, uh, I know we did run out, but hopefully you got a bulletin. On the back side there, we have these mentioned. Three weeks ago, we talked about this idea, that fear dies when I know God is with me. And then we see in Scripture over and over again, I mean, well over a hundred times, God will say to us and does say to us, do not fear, do not be afraid. And then he gives right there often in those passages, and we'll see an example of that actually today in this morning's Scripture, of God say, here's the reason why. The reason why you don't have to be afraid is because God says, I'm with you. That you don't journey through the stuff of life by yourself. That God wants to journey with you through it. And so fear dies when we know not we hope, cross our fingers, maybe it's true. We say, no, I know God is with me as I'm going through this. Principle number two, this idea that the opposite of fear is love. And that we see in scripture where God says perfect love or God's love drives out fear. It is fear repellent. And so realizing that God's powerful love for you in your life meets you often in those exact places that you and I experience fear. And then finally, last week we looked at this principle. That you and I have the opportunity to fight our anxiety with prayer. 
that we have the opportunity to come and God invites us to, to cast, as it says in 1 Peter, to cast all of our anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. And then as we do that, as we go before God in prayer and we give it all to him, God does something back to us. The promise is back in our lives is I'll give you the peace that surpasses understanding. Then in the midst of the fear and in the midst of the worry, you can experience a God-sized peace in that exact place. Now, if you're kind of hearing these principles, you're like, well, that's interesting. I missed that message. I, I, I'm intrigued by that idea. You can always go back on Facebook and watch all these messages, or you can listen on the church website or on podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can catch up with those messages. Today, we're going to hit principle number four. And uh, principle number four, it's, it's an important one. It's a big one. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be spending time this morning. Please turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Now, if you're like, uh, what? Second what? I've, Chronicles, I mean, it's not every day you get asked to go to Second Chronicles, granted. But it's in the Old Testament, and I would encourage you, if, you, if you're not sure where that's at, uh, table of contents. Just go to the table of contents, that's what it's there for, and uh, you can find Second Chronicles chapter 20. If you have a tablet or smartphone, you can go to, of course, uversion.com, or you can follow along on the screen behind. Uh, while you're turning there, Second Chronicles 20, let me kind of set the stage for what is going to be talked about today. Today I want to share with you a story. And it's a story, it's a real life story, it's not made up, it's a real life story about a guy named Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. Judah, were, that was God's people, this was the Jewish people and people that, um, that God loved. And Jehoshaphat is their king. And one day in 853, the year uh, BC 853, Jehoshaphat wakes up in Jerusalem in the palace and he gets the worst news, which you'll hear about in just a moment. And this is news that would have rocked his world. This is news that, that shakes everything around him. And, and it's just, it's, it's an opportunity. And you know Jehoshaphat, as you're going to see in a moment, he would have felt massive fear. He would have felt massive anxiety. That when he received this, this equivalent of phone call, everything changed. And so we're going to look this morning at what happened with Jehoshaphat, what happened with the nation of Judah, and how did Jehoshaphat respond when he got the bad news? And when he experienced this massive level of fear and anxiety. So if you're in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, let's pick up in verse 1 and we'll set the stage here. It says, after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Munites, I don't think I said that right, but that's okay. Munites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom. From the other side of the sea, it is already at Hazor, Hazor Tamar, that is En Gedi. Let's pause here real quick. Here's what happened. Jehoshaphat wakes up, his people come to him and said, um, bad news. Bad news is this, there is a three-nation army that uh, they pretty much hate us. They've all joined together and they're coming to destroy us, to wipe us off the face of the planet. And not only have, let's hit the map if we could please, not only are they you know, wanting to do this, but they've actually succeeded in pulling together their plans. You can see the Ammonites from the north, the Moabites and the Edomites. They all came together, they wrap around the south side of the Dead Sea and they're actually in En Gedi. They're camped there. They're only 15 miles from Jerusalem. This is happening, they're coming and they're gonna be here in a few days. This is bad news. Again, you talk about panic. You talk about fear. You talk about that moment of, oh my goodness, what is going to happen here? This is the stage. This is what happened to Jehoshaphat in one morning in 853 B.C. And the question is, how did he respond? Like, what did he do? And I know that you probably won't have a three-nation army coming after you, but when, when those kind of moments happen in your life, 
Again, you get that phone call, you're going through that thing, whatever that thing is. How do you respond? What's kind of your knee-jerk reaction? How do, how do you handle those situations that come upon you and you're feeling the fear? And you're feeling the anxiety. It's all there. What do you do? Jehoshaphat's response to us is going to be instructive. It's going to help every single one of us. He did three things. And this morning I want to highlight three things that he did and then help us all apply those to our lives. So let's go ahead and get started. Your next or your first fill in the blank is this. That when fear strikes, here's the first thing you do. You pray. You pray. And this is exactly what the king did. Let's look at verse 3 now. We're continuing on just, uh, we're going to keep rolling through. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3. It says this, alarmed, and I think that's an understatement. I mean, yes, he's alarmed. He is panicked. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat, here it is, resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. What's his first move? He prays. His first response is to, is to go to God. And this is significant because sometimes, like for us, our first response is not necessarily to think about, maybe, prayer. We think about other things. We, we respond in other ways. But Jehoshaphat, as the king, he chooses prayer. And he could have chosen a lot of other things. Like, for example, Jehoshaphat could have responded this way. He could have responded with anger toward God. You ever feel angry when something bad strikes your life? And you're like, what's going on, God? Like, what, what is this? See, here's why Jehoshaphat could have responded with anger. Let's go back to verse 1. It's in the blue. Notice it says, after this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and, and then it goes on. I'm not going to even work on that. So, right, so all these nations come together. So it says, after this. So the question is, well, after what? What, what? what happened? For that answer, you've got to go back to chapter 19. You don't have to turn there necessarily, but chapter 19 is this fascinating chapter of Scripture where Jehoshaphat, as the king, takes time and he cleans house in terms of the nation of Judah and their spiritual condition. Because up to chapter 19, Judah had walked away from God. Judah was, was into idolatry. Judah was worshiping false gods. Judah wasn't spending any time in God's word. The, the people weren't worshiping God. I mean, none of that was going on. And so Jehoshaphat goes in and says, look, enough is enough. And so they wiped out the idols. He restores worship in the temple. He gets people reading God's word again. There's, in a sense, this revival, so to speak, going on in Judah. This is all in chapter 19. And then you get to chapter 20, verse 1, right away. After this, after all this spiritual revival, it says after this, this three-nation army comes to annihilate and wipe out Judah from the face of the earth. Je uh, Jehoshaphat could have in that moment said, God, are you kidding me? Like, like I've been serving you. We, we have been restoring you to prominence in our country. We have been putting you first in our lives. We have been loving you, and then you repay us with a three-nation army? Like, sometimes our mindset is the three-nation army comes when we're disobeying, but actually, God, you're allowing the army come when we're actually obeying you. When we've actually turned a corner, we've repented, and now we're following you, now the army comes. You talk about confusion, or you talk about anger, and maybe you've been in that place too. Maybe you've been in a place where you've been, been, been walking with God, you've been close to God, you're serving Him, you're involved in ministry, and in that place and in that season in your life, God allows something really hard to hit you. And sometimes I think it's easy to be angry. God, why are you allowing this? Sometimes it's easy to complain, isn't it? I mean, really, God? I mean, I could have understood in other times in my life, but, but now this makes no sense. But Jehoshaphat doesn't do that. He doesn't get angry. 
You know what else he could have done? Jehoshaphat also could have responded by relying on himself or relying also on his army. Because you don't have to turn there either, but in chapter 17 of 2 Chronicles, it gives this whole description that Jehoshaphat's army was really, really good. He had a great army. They were poised. They were ready for war. So this three-nation army coming, Jehoshaphat could have responded with, all right, this is cool. They're big, but we're tough. Let's go get them, boys. We can do this. And pulled out the army and gotten kind of tough and given the rally speech and say, we're going to go and we're going to conquer. But Jehoshaphat doesn't do that either. And again, sometimes we can respond that way. Sometimes when, when something happens, we respond by relying on ourselves and not turning to God first. Like we rely on our own smarts. Like, I'm going to figure this problem out. I, I can take care of this. Or we resply, re, rely on our resources or our connections. Sometimes when things happen like that, we don't turn to God first. But Jehoshaphat's example is that's exactly what he did. The first thing he does, the bad news comes, he turns to God, and he turns to God in prayer. Again, how about you? How about me? And so Jehoshaphat begins to pray. And if you have your Bibles open, you can look starting in verse 6 through uh, verse 12. We're not going to read through that, but Jehoshaphat goes and he stands before his people. He's on this like platform thing like this. And he stands before his people as the king. And this would have been a humbling thing to do because remember, kings are supposed to have all the answers. They're supposed to be tough and leaders and all that kind of thing. And he stands before his people and he begins to pray. And this prayer in verses 6 through 12 is absolutely incredible. He's, he's talking about who God is and his character and how great God is. And then he closes off his prayer in verse 12 with these words. And I actually want us to look at the words that he closes his prayer with because they're, they're really phenomenal. He says this, he says, Our God, will you not judge them? Them is this three-nation army. In other words, God, will you not show up in this problem, in this situation? He says, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. And we do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. I love that prayer. Essentially saying, God, this is too big. You do the math, this isn't going to work out in our favor. They're angry, they're big, they're powerful, they're on the move, they're already poised together, they're 15 miles out. God, this problem is too big. But here's what I love about what he does. He doesn't spend his time focusing on the problem. He acknowledges it. But he rather spends his time focusing on his God. That's what he does. See, the principle works like this. When you go to God in prayer, if your focus in prayer is your problem, then what tends to happen is your faith will shrink. But as you go to God in prayer and your focus is on who God is, how strong he is, his character, and you focus on who God is, then your problems begin to take a proper perspective. And they actually begin to shrink. The question is, where's your focus? Jehoshaphat going in prayer, I, I love how he says this. He's essentially saying, look, th this army is too big. I don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. So God, our plan is this. Our eyes are on you. You are our focus. And maybe for some of you this morning, and if not this morning, maybe it'll be another day in the future because of the way life works, that this will need to be your prayer. Maybe this is a verse that you need to write down and you need to put on a three-by-five card and memorize and come back to over and over again because maybe for you, you're going through something in life right now where it's too much, where it may not be a vast army, but, but it is this thing that you're going through, this situation that you're facing, and it's too much. 
It's way too much. And so for you to say, just like the scripture says, this vast army or this thing I'm facing, it's way too big. And God, if I'm very honest with you, I don't know what to do. I can't fix this one. And I'm a fixer. But not this one. And so here's my plan, God. My plan is this. My eyes are on you. I'm just going to give it to you. I know you're with me. I know you love me. You allow me to cast my anxieties on you. And so, God, I'm just going to give it to you. Maybe this needs to be your prayer. This is what Jehoshaphat prayed. This was his first response. When fear strikes, I want to encourage us all, pray. Pray first. Pray most. Turn there first. But here's the second thing that happened, which is going to be in verse 4, but your next fill in the blank. Here it is. It's this, that when fear strikes, come together. Come together. Look with me at verse 4. It says this. It says, the, the people of Judah, this is after Jehoshaphat leads out in prayer, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. And this is important to highlight. See, when, when fear strikes and anxiety is there and you're feeling, you're going through something and you're feeling all this weight on your shoulders, what the temptation is to do is to isolate with it. And maybe some of you are like, yeah, that's kind of what I do. I mean, it's so easy to take it and to isolate with it and to, and to fret over something and to fear over something and to get stuck in that place. But what we see here is in this moment of fear and panic, rather what happens is Jehoshaphat and the people say, we need to come together. I mean, could the people have prayed at home by themselves? Of course they could have. But coming together made all the difference. Coming together with other people who love you and care about you makes all the difference. And so I want to ask this morning, along this idea here in terms of what happened we see here in 2 Chronicles 20. Who are your people? Who are the people in your life that you would say, yeah, when, when something goes bad, this is who I come together with? And there's no lines in your bulletin, but I would encourage you to write down some names of some people right now. Because maybe for you, it's, maybe it's a spouse. And maybe it's a, a, a parent or two. Maybe it's, it's um, a coach or, or maybe it's your small group. I mean, for a lot of people at New Hope, it's their small group. Because those are the people that when life falls apart, when the bottom falls out, they call their small group and they say, small group, I need you. Would you pray with me? And would you pray for me? And would you walk with me through this thing that I'm going through? See, whoever's names you're thinking of or you actually wrote down, those people are gifts from God in your life. They are absolute gifts from God in your life. The temptation is to isolate. What we need to do is come together with other people. Before we leave this point, I want to ask one other question. Who in this room or even beyond, if they had the bulletin and they were writing down names, who would write down your name? Who are you there for? Who is the person that when something happens in somebody else's life, they're going to call you? And they're going to say, look, this is what I'm going through and I don't know what to do, but I need some prayer. Or would you just come sit with me? Or would you, can I just talk to somebody about this? Who, who calls you? Because this is what ministry looks like. This is what it looks like to come together and be in the body of Christ and loving one another, serving one another through the stuff of life. So we see Jehoshaphat. What did he do? When fear striked, he, he prayed. Next, the people came together. And let's look at the third one here. I'm going to set it up here a little bit because what I want to do now is we're going to jump to verse 13. And I'm going to read a long passage of Scripture. It's a story. It's, it's what happened here in this account. Just follow along. But this, this account is absolutely mind-blowing. 
in terms of what happens. As the people prayed, as the people came together, God is going to show up and do something absolutely incredible. It's going to introduce our third and final, prin uh, final, final principle. Here it is in verse uh, 13. Let's pick up there. It says this, that all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. So, so here's this scene, Jehoshaphat's leading in prayer, all the people come together and you have this scene of people, they're, they're in a, basically a worship service and you've got the, you've got the moms, you've got the dads, you've got the children, you've got crying babies, they're all there. They're just standing there before God, all of them, all family, verse 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite, uh, a descendant of Asaph as he stood in the assembly. By the way, that was the part of the service I was most nervous about was getting through that one verse right there. So I'm good now. I'm good. All right. Verse 15. And he said, so, so, the, so they're all there. They're worshiping. And there's one guy in the back, a picture. He's just raised his hand. He's like, um, I've got something from God. And he stands up. He, he says, and he said, listen, King of Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. They are afraid and they are discouraged. But this prophet stands up. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Verse 16. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up uh, by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow. Why? And the Lord will be with you. Principle number one. There it is. Let me just pause here real quick. Let's summarize what God is saying here. So they have this assembly. One person's like, um, I just heard from God. Here's the message from God. Here's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to face the enemy. Tomorrow, in fact, we're supposed to march out and we're supposed to face the enemy. But here's the game plan. Uh, no weapons. No army. We just go. And we're going to face the army. And here's the plan. When we face the army, we're going to stand there. And we're going to watch. That's the plan. You talk about a moment of faith, a crossroads. Am I going to trust God with this? This is what he's calling us to do, to face our fears in this manner. This seems to fly against everything that, that they would probably think and feel. Jump with me now to verse 20. It says, early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. They're going. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat, the king, stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in the prophets, and you will be successful. So he's trying to rally the troops and say, Look, we're, we're doing this nation. We're going to go. We're going to trust God. And I want you to have faith. Do not give up. Keep your eyes, your focus on God. Not the problem, not the army. Just focus on God. We're going to go for it. And so they begin to head out. Now, verse 22 lays out the plan here. And this is interesting and kind of wild. Look with me at verse 22 because here, here's what happens next. It says, As they began to sing and praise, the Lord God set an ambush against the men of Amnon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. So what happened? So Jehoshaphat says, we're going to go. We're going to take on the enemy. We're going to go up there and we're going to stand. And so what Jehoshaphat did was, in our words now, says, um, worship team, all of you guys up here, you're going to go first. 
So we're going to put you in the lead. And so as we head out to face the army, you're going to be in the lead, and I want you guys to worship and sing. And you're going to sing, as we just saw, great is the Lord. And, uh, you know, how, how does it go again? Um, um, well, it's in here, so we'll, we'll get to that. So, you know, I want you to sing these words, and I want you to be able to, you know, to sing this out. And so the worship team's in front there, and they're going out, and then all the people followed. And they showed up, and God begins to work. He set an ambush against the men, as we just saw, and they began to destroy one of the three armies. Verse 23, the Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. And when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the, the desert and looked toward that vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, where they praised the Lord. Again, an incredible scene. They headed out. They worshiped. And as they approached the army, God had already taken care of it. It was done. God destroyed the enemy. Here's your next fill in the blank. It's this, that when fear strikes, worship. Maybe that's not what you thought you might hear this morning. And maybe when you think about fear, that's not the first thing that comes to mind, is to praise, is to worship. But this is the principle that we see both here and throughout Scripture. And here's actually principle number four, our last principle for this sermon series. Here it is. Principle number four is this, that you and I, we need to turn our, worship, our worry, excuse me, into worship. Turn your worry into worship. So when you feel afraid, worship. When you're worried, worship. When you're scared about what's going on in life and you feel gripped by fear, I want to encourage you to worship. Because see, when you, those moments come, you and I have a choice. We could, we could wring our hands in fear and anxiety or we could raise our hands to the one who can actually do something about it. Or, or we could stress about whatever it is we're facing, or we could make a decision that rather than stressing about it, I'm going to sing out, and I'm going to praise the one who loves me, who is with me, and who's going to walk with me through all this. It's a choice that you and I have. And we're so used to maybe doing the former, of fretting about things, and being scared about things, and hanging on to things, and isolating with all of our fears. But here we see again, Praise play, playing a big role. They defeated the enemy, not with a weapon, but with praise. And the theology, the principle behind it, it actually goes to a different verse. Just look at this one here real quick as we begin to close. Psalm 22, verse 3. It says this, that you, speaking of God now, are enthroned on the praises of your people. See, God is on the throne, and God is sovereign over all the universe. But God is also a gentleman, if you will, and that you and I, as we go through the things of life, that praise is what actually ushers in or invites him to sit on the throne of your life and your circumstances. See, when you praise, you're inviting God, giving him right and permission to come into your life and to work his will in and through your life. You enthrone him in your life. And if ever you had this thought of, well, you know, when we come to church and we do worship and we, we sing, you know, half the service or so is devoted to singing. Like, why are we doing that? I mean, the songs are catchy and the band's great, but like, is it just filler? It's not filler. 
Like it's so important because as we come as a church, what we're doing is both individually in our lives and as a church saying, God, you are great, you are powerful, you are faithful, you are, this is your character in terms of who you are. And we're getting our focus off ourselves. we're placing it on you so that you are enthroned both in our individual lives and you are enthroned as Lord over our church. That's why this is so important. And you can praise in song and you can praise in prayer and you can praise in lots of different ways but it's an important part of our lives. Praise does this in our lives. This is an important thing. I'd like to invite the band up if you would uh, come on up here because here's why it's important. And just trying to review and pull everything all back together again. We've learned in this sermon series as we face fear and anxiety, we've learned that God is with you. We've learned that God loves you so much. We have learned that God has invited you to cast all the fears and anxieties you have on him. Minute by minute, day by day, week by week. He wants us to do that. And now we're learning today. We're learning today that, that we, can, we can take all of our worries and all of our fears and we can turn them into worship. That we can take all that energy we spend fretting about things and we can say, you know what, I'm kinda, I want to do this a different way. I want to I get my eyes off the vast armies of my life and your life. I want to get it onto the one who can make all the difference in my life. And so standing before God and saying, God, I'm not sure I know what to do, but my eyes, our focus is on you. And I'm so thankful you know. And so here's what we're going to do as we close out the sermon this, uh, service this morning, as, as we close out the sermon series, even bigger than that, is I'd like you all to stand if you would. This is the part where anxiety begins to grow in the congregation. What's going to happen? What we're going to do as we close out is we're going to worship. We've intentionally left all the worship to the end of the service. And I want to invite you to sing with all your heart. In fact, I want to invite you just in two different ways. I want to invite you and encourage you to worship God as we will in just a moment with all of your mind. And what I mean by that is I want to encourage you, if you do this always or maybe you don't, but to think about the words you're saying. Like, what, what are these words saying? And as you say them, as you're worshiping God, you're mindful and thinking about what it is you're saying about God. The second thing I want to encourage you to is to worship God with all your heart. Emotions are permitted to be expressed in worship. That we as a church individually, that as you worship today, that you are invited at New Hope Church, you're invited to clap. You're invited to raise your hands. You're invited to kneel. You're invited to stay seated and be reflective. You're invited to pray during the worship time. You're invited to sing during the worship time. There, there's, in a sense, no ground rules. It's you and God and you worshiping him with all of your mind and all of your heart and having the permission to do so. And so the band's going to, I'm going to turn it over to the band now. And like I said, we, we're just going to worship with all of our hearts and all of our minds. So the God who is great, the God who is with you, the God who loves you, and the God who wants to handle all of the fears and anxieties you and I face day by day in our lives. Let's worship now.
Sing with me, huh? 
with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God.
matter what we're going through, God, no matter how far our hearts are away from you, that you are right beside us and eagerly waiting us to turn to your face. And so I pray as we, we're going to sing this again as a congregation, I pray that our voices just rumble this building, God, that it is our true prayer and our true cry, God, that it is well with our souls, not because of our grip on our life, but because we surrender it to you. Let's sing that again as a congregation. pray together this morning. Father in heaven, Lord, you're good. And we're blessed and privileged, Father, to, to praise a God that, that declares himself good, Father, and then proves that over and over and over. Whether we're King Jehoshaphat of the Old Testament, God, or, or whether we're individuals right now, Father, throughout time, you you make promises to us, and then you just continue to fulfill those promises. Um, Lord, so we praise you this morning for that, for that consistency, Lord, and for that desire um, to reconcile our world, Father, the genuine desire to see people back in communion with you through your son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, as we continue to worship this morning, especially thinking about fear, God, we, maybe it's anxiety, um, maybe it's fear of the unknown, maybe it's anger. 
Maybe it's fear of failure, God. I just ask that whatever it is that is burdening us, that we would remember and believe what is true, that God, fear has no place, and our response to you is, is very clear, and today we're focusing on worship. That our, our response to fear is to give that up, to pray, to come together, God, and to worship. Yeah, so as we, as we finish our worship service this morning, Father, please help us to uh, just give those things up to you, God, uh, to stop wringing our hands, but rather raise our hands. And Father, we love you this morning, um, like every morning, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks for worshiping with us this morning. Um, it's good to have you all here. Graduates, thanks for joining us. Congratulations. Um, we're praying for you and your families. Um, thanks for joining us this week. Have a wonderful week.